Oh, TYB on the run, I'm so excited to be in Romans 8 with you. This pinnacle text of life through the Spirit. As Pentecostals and as Christians, we love this scripture. So let's jump in, Romans 8. And as I read it over you, I'm not reading it a bedtime story. What I want you to do is allow this to really infuse your very being. Let it stir up your spirit again. Let it drop from your head to your heart. So let's jump in, Romans 8, life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. But it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts and knows the minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed 
to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own, his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, my goodness, TYB, that is the most amazing chapter of the whole Bible. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? It's like that Michael Jackson song. Um, can you feel this essence of, of just this victory that Paul has finally got to? We've walked from Romans and he's saying we're all sinners and he's battled through Abraham saying we're not saved by, by works, we're saved by, by grace and, and by faith. And he, then he's kept going and he's battled through you are dead to sin but alive in Christ. And he's got to this pinnacle point where he's saying, therefore. Oh, don't you love the therefore in Romans 8.1? When there's a therefore, find out what it's there for. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, I've told you all of this. I've wrestled with all of this. I've done all of this wrestling about your salvation and your death to sin and your life to Christ. Why? Because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin of death. He is saying now you are completely set free and not just set free. You are set free for a life in Christ. You are set free through for a life in the spirit. Some of us dabble around the edge, you know, and, and because we're not assured of our salvation and assured of our freedom, we don't step into the powerful life that Christ has for us because we're, we're so, <coughs> excuse me, condemned almost. This is why he finishes this, this chapter. He starts it with there's no condemnation and he ends it with nothing can separate you from the love of God. And Christians, I, TYB, I don't know about this, but I'm watching an awful lot of Christians right now and I apologize for this passion in my heart. But I'm watching an awful lot of Christians remain at the cross. Now, don't get me wrong. They are remaining at the cross, which is a good thing. But Christ died and rose again. (laughs) He didn't want you to remain at that cross battling with sin. He didn't want you to remain at that cross constantly applying the, the battle of sin and constantly not living a victorious life. No, the cross was a door that you would walk through. And this is what he's saying. There's no condemnation, guys, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he's saying because the that that you are now free from the law of sin of death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son. He's like, it is done. The cross, God sent his son so that your sinful flesh to be in sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met um, in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You have to go from the victory of the cross 
into the resurrection power. You have to walk through that door of the cross. The cross is a door for you to walk through, to be set free, to have no condemnation on you, to be solid and secure in your salvation, to be solid and secure that your body can be completely healed, to be solid and secure that your mind can be completely set free, that you can walk in the power of the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. And then he takes it and he says, those who are in that realm cannot please God. Now, that's not you guys. You guys, and this is why I know, he says, those who have previously not applied the cross, those who are not saved are governed by the world. They're governed by the, the, the flesh of the world. They're governed by that sort of spirit. But he's saying, you, however, did you feel it? I tried to really emphasize it in 8, eight 9. He's saying, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. Can you feel that essence of when you get saved, you are completely transported into the realm of the spirit. You're no longer in that battle. You're no longer living on the edge of the fence. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Am I saved or am I not saved? Am I, do I have victory or don't I have victory? No, you are completely in the realm of the spirit. Oh, and oh my gosh, in the realm of the spirit. This is God infused in us. And think through what the guys who were anointed by the old the spirit in the Old Testament did. The judges fighting wars and doing incredible things for God. The spirit that anoints you is not a spirit that is weak. It's not a spirit that is, that is, you know, when you put the spirit of God and the spirit of the world in a battle, some people think, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure who's going to win that. Oh, my goodness. When you put the spirit of God against the spirit of the world, the spirit of the world is darkness and that light just shines. We have to know the victory of what we have in the Holy Spirit. I love this. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. That's pretty obvious. That's pretty black and white right there, isn't it? Now, can I say, Pentecostal snobs out there, <laughs> say well you know if I if you don't speak in tongues you don't have the spirit of Christ Mm, no that's not even biblical stop doing that it's really it's not good TYB what he's saying here is not that those who don't have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders and miracles and speaking in tongues well therefore I'm going to judge them and say that they're not in Christ that's not what he's saying he's basically saying there's two sides to this guys you're either in Christ or you're in the world there's not a, there's not a gray haze in the middle, and so just be very careful with your with your doctrine around that, um, especially Pentecostal Christians. Be very careful. That's he is not saying. Um, let me read it to you again. It says, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. He's basically just saying you're either in the Spirit or you're not. It's that black and white. But if Christ is in you, even then, even your though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. Can I say the scripture keeps going over in my in my head as, as I read this, that he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Your body is infused with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Meaning what? If you need raising from depression, it's fine. Nothing compared to death. <laughs> he can do it. If you need raising from an oppressive mind, that's great. You have the spirit of God in you that raised Christ from the dead, so he could do that too. He can raise you from healing. He can raise you from, from any sickness. He can raise you anything that the body can throw at us. He's basically saying if this same spirit can raise Christ from the dead 
And, you know, Ephesians talks about that same spirit lives in you. Oh, my gosh, it's so exciting. Can you feel the presence and the victory of, of the Holy Spirit that Paul is getting to in Romans 8? Now, I'm going to have to jump through, guys, because this is a big chapter, but I love this essence where remember Romans, remember slaves and children, remember that there, there's a difference between these. To say you're a slave means you're not truly part of the family, but when you are a ch- child of that family, then you are an heir, you have rights, you have responsibilities also. But there's an essence of that the, those who are children are higher than those who are slaves. Now listen to this, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. He's changed his language. He's no longer saying you're slaves. He's saying you're children. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Can you feel that beautiful essence of him saying, you're not a slave? Can I say that to you right now, TYB? Christians, you're not a slave to God. He's not demanding. He's not ordering you to go to church every Sunday. He's not ordering you to serve in church. Otherwise, you know, you lose your, your, he'll be angry with you. That's not my father. My father, I'm adopted as a daughter and a son. What does that mean? I adore being a part of his house because I'm a daughter of his house. I'm a son of his house. I'm secure in my inheritance. I'm secure in my position in his house. I'm secure in my love for that the father has for me. And I don't do the things in Christianity like serving in church or reading my Bible or praying because I'm earning the father's love. I know I have the father's love because I'm a daughter and son of the house. And this is what he's saying. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share also in his glory. And he's saying there's a beautiful big package. Now, let's jump in, guys, to um, this beautiful next section about creation groaning in anticipation. I don't know about you because I'm doing my... um. A study at the moment of Revelation and the end of all being, you know, the end of creation where we will have a restored Eden here on earth and the earth will be completely restored. And I love this essence that Paul has is beginning here. He's saying this, he's saying creation was put under um, a, a curse, was put under, let me read it to you, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. What he's saying is this, creation, the trees, nature, were put under the curse in the fall. And not by their own choice, they were put under this frustration and they groan and wait in eager expectation for the day that they will themselves be completely redeemed. How amazing is that? That nature around us, which was created by our God, when you walk out in nature, this is our God's earth. This is not Satan's earth. This is our God's earth. He created this earth. And the creation and the nature and the the animals are groaning for that sense and that day when the earth is completely renewed and restored, where they will no longer be under decay and they will be brought about into freedom. Can you feel this? We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we ourselves wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. I cannot wait to get a redeemed body. Anyone else out there? I'm sick of looking in the mirror and my body is going down. (laughs) And I cannot wait, like creation, I cannot wait for that day where God comes and redeems everything from that 
final curse and that is that is done away with. It's so beautiful. But um, it says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This beautiful essence of your prayer life, guys. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through words, wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will. This is the benefit of having the Holy Spirit, guys. This is the benefit. And this is what I do love about speaking in tongues. I remember when I was in the darkest time of depression and um, I every Every time I opened my mouth, all that came out was just negativity and bitterness and offense and anger at God. And and I remember just thinking, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I keep opening my mouth. And I remember this beautiful sense of, you know what, I can just pray in the Spirit and know that the Spirit will pray through me and He will pray out of my brokenness and He will pray me into victory. And I just, I love that beautiful essence of speaking in tongues. It's, 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 I know it sounds weird to this world and I know it sounds weird even sometimes I hear it and I think that's just weird. But it's this beautiful essence of just speaking and being able to pray in the Spirit and being able to allow God to, you know, the Spirit to pray through me and to be able to just speak in tongues in this heavenly language that I at times don't even understand. Most of the time I don't understand, but I know that I'm connecting with my Father and I adore that essence. And it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image. Now, I know that this predestined thing here, guys, is a bit of a debate, uh, TYB, and you can have a look at it if you want to. I'm not into predestination. I'm not. Um, I think that we are all predestined to be saved. I, I disagree that some are predestined to be saved and some are not. That is not my God. That is not what Christ did on the cross. When Christ died on the cross, he didn't say, well, I'm doing it for this, only a couple of people, the predestined ones. That's just total arrogance right there. We were all sinners saved by grace and we are all saved by Jesus Christ. When the first Adam sinned, he cursed the whole of creation. When the second Adam came in and saved, he saved the whole of creation. And that door is available to anybody not this uh, understanding of predestination. So you know what I think about that, guys. You can study the other side if you want to. Uh, some people believe that there are certain people predestined for salvation and certain people predestined um, not to be saved, and I disagree with it because that's not my father. Now let's jump in, guys, to this more than conquerors. Can you feel him building? Can you feel this essence of Romans 8, life through the Spirit? There's no condemnation. He's basically saying there's no chains on you. I'm not sure why you aren't running. I'm not sure why you aren't living a full life. There is no chains on you, TYB. There is no condemnation on you. There is no battle with sin. Run in the spirit because the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in your mortal bodies and he is here to empower you and I love that. And we are his daughters. We are we are the father's daughters and sons. So with that, with that essence of um, confidence in who you, your father is, run. And then he says, you've got this beautiful power of the Holy Spirit praying through you, interceding on your behalf, run with it. Now, lastly, he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He's basically saying, if God is for you, I'm not sure why you're not doing everything. I'm not sure why you're not running. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Live in victory, TYB, is what's he's, what he's saying. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. 
He's saying, don't let condemnation, don't let a Christian come up to you and say, oh, but you've got that issue and, oh, you can't do that. Do you know how many times I have been told, oh, you didn't grow up in the family that went to church, so you can't be doing that. You know, oh, you didn't do, you know, oh, you're too too much of an introvert. Oh, you, you deal with, you battle with depression a bit. You can't be a minister. Oh, my goodness. If I listened to the condemners, I would stand condemned. But I do not listen to the condemners because Romans says here, and I love it, It says, what shall we say then? How he who did not spare us from his own son, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, it's, it's, if my God is for me, why am I not running? Why am I not doing everything that God's called me to be? Who then condemns is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who raised to life, is at the right hand of God, interceding for you, TYB. Who shall separate us from that love? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution? No. I remember when I was young, I stood on this scripture because a lot of people would say to me, oh, you've got, you've got too much of a past to, to have a future. You've got too much of a past. You've got too much stuff going on. You have to have deliverance from this and ministry from this and ministry. And yes, I do have a past, but that does not stop me from having an incredible future in Christ. Actually, it makes me more passionate. And I, I used to stand on this scripture, TYB, and I'm going to finish on this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, sorry, I'm getting a bit teary because TYB today, you have to be convinced that neither death nor life, no angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your past will not separate you from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus your Lord. Nothing separates you from his love. He adores you. He is with you. He has empowered you with the power of the Holy Spirit for a great future ahead. And I said, and I love this. I'm going to finish on this. You are, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Awesome, guys. I've loved studying Romans 8 with you. Maybe jump back in and have a look at it. There's so much in there, but I cannot wait to keep going in Romans with you. See you next time.